Hello everyone and welcome to One Control Report Podcast, episode 155. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today talked about video games. I actually played video games this week. I'm no longer just <laughs> just randomly spring, spring cleaning. I did kind of finish up most of the uh, the controller maintenance stuff I was working on. Uh, I, got, I was able to salvage a couple controllers out of that pile of broken controllers. Uh, some of them were, were not really salvageable, though. So the ones that can still kind of function, I kind of put away. Uh, and the ones that were just kind of junk, I just put in like a parts pile, essentially. Uh, but the, the ones I was able to salvage were uh, a, a GameCube controller... A handful of uh, PlayStation 1 third-party dual analog stick controllers. I don't know if I'll ever use those, but they're there if I ever need them for any reason, I guess. Um, And then also, uh, there's a old Nintendo 64 controller I had from when I was like 8 years old. Um, The analog stick on it went bad, so I went ahead and replaced that out. And uh, I bought a replacement analog stick, and unfortunately, um, the quality of those seems to be mixed at best. And the one I bought actually didn't show up. They sent me the wrong one. Um, So I'm trying that one instead. It's like a GameCube-style analog stick that you stick into the Nintendo 64 controller. And, you know, it feels good to use. um, But the problem with it is that it doesn't have the same kind of inputs that it It reads. It has a different dead zone. Uh, so it's not as sensitive to movement. Um, it also kind of doesn't really have what feels like true analog support. Um, it, it feels almost like you're using like a 16-way D-pad with like different like pressure sensitivity of which direction you're pushing and how hard you're pushing that direction. But if you're like moving the stick in like a um, a ring around the controller, it seems to really only op- update in chunks rather than um, rather than as like a smooth turn as you would with like a normal Nintendo 64 controller. Uh, but apparently the seller's out of stock of the other sticks that I wanted, so I think I'm just going to keep this one for now. It was like $10, bucks, um, and they said they have no ETA and when they're going to get replacements for the other one. Uh, so I might just let this controller be for now, and then if I ever want to replace it in the future, I can. I have three other good Nintendo 64 controllers, so, <laughs> so there's not really any concerns with that. Getting into stuff I played, though, uh, one game that I mentioned a couple weeks ago uh, was on the PCFX that I started playing, and, and I haven't done anything... Uh, I, I streamed a little bit of it uh, during one of the uh, Ojo-sama Sosomu, or whatever you pronounce it. Sosamu? Sosamu. <laughs> I com- continue to butcher that name. Uh, the B- Debutante uh, Detective Corps uh, <laughs> game. Um, but, um, yeah, it's a sparkling feather for the PCFX and a sparkling feather is a hewn X game. Um, so it's, so it's of interest to me. Uh, it's a strategy game, but it's, it's a bit weird because it's not really like your traditional Final Fantasy tactics or, or any other kind of SRPG kind of thing, um, where you like are giving direct commands to units. You do have like a whole list of commands you can give to characters, but they really seem to be more of suggestions rather than they are actual commands you're doing to people so you'll tell somebody go in this direction and attack this character uh but they'll kind of take their own path to get there kind of like an rts in some ways but not real, not in real time um and and they will do whatever attack they want <laughs> so so sometimes they'll use their high powered spells sometimes they'll just run up to an enemy and even though they're mage just start whacking away with their little little sticks and doing like one damage and admittedly the game's entirely japanese so maybe i'm missing some level of control here maybe there's a way to say hey only use spells or something like that there there is a pretty significant number of of options when you open up uh, a, a character but most of the game it really doesn't seem to matter that much uh, how i handled playing through that game was basically i took everybody on the team and then pointed them towards the boss and said okay 
you're on your own <laughs> and and you know i would i would check everybody's health every turn and and there are some like uh skills and abilities you get that you can have certain enemy or certain uh party members use that boost defense boosts attack uh, i think one might be like boosting agility as well um and there's also like healing spells and things like that too and so um i basically just kind of micromanage people if, if somebody was hurt or if somebody was like in kind of a sticky situation i would give them the buff and then they just kind of take care of themselves in that situation sometimes you could kind of tell them to turn around and go back if you wanted to whether or not they listen to you is kind of a whole other thing um but but yeah it's a pretty hands-off game i think qnx in general was doing a lot of this at the time where they just kind of had um <laughs> had a lot of rpgs that kind of automated themselves in some way and you did more of the higher level commanding of of what was happening um i, I don't know if there's any any actual success story when it comes to that when it comes to qnx i haven't played through blue breaker at this point which was does something similar uh then there's also like the silvery peak rpg on the playstation that does something similar similar and i i haven't really played through that either yet um but but yeah and it it works but i think it just kind of it kind of makes it less less engaging as a game uh more than anything it's got a nice well when you look at it in, like at every second, like if you look at the character sprites and the background graphics and things like that, um, Sparkling Feather has a nice presentation. It, it looks pretty good. Uh, the music that is there is really good. Um, but it just feels like a lot of corners were cut uh, during it as well, where there's things like um, basically like every music track in that game is like 40 seconds long it doesn't loop properly so it fades out then fades back in and you know you're doing these battles for like 40 to 50 minutes and it's not like you know fire emblem where when you get an encounter some other song plays it just plays that same 40 second loop over and over and over again and it's nothing bad enough to get like annoying but it's very noticeable if when you start paying attention to it of how the music fades out and fades back in over and over and over again um, and then just like how the characters move are very choppy as well. A lot of the cutscenes have like the characters walking around and stuff and, and there's just not a lot of animation on, on their sprites and things like that. But what I do like about the game though, is that there's a really large, diverse cast of characters. Um, unlike a lot of PCFX games that are focused very much on women or very fo much focused on men, depending on what, you know, if you're going with like a Otome style game or Bishojo style game, uh, this has a, a nice diverse cast of characters. Not all of them are super handsome either. Um, well, I think all the ladies are pretty much pretty but like the uh, uh i forget his name was it was it topaz or something like that there's this one dude he's got like this kind of big big nose and sometimes it's cute depending on the angle you're looking at sometimes you look at like him head on and it's kind of this big weird like i don't know what you'd call it like flintstone nose maybe <laughs> and it doesn't look quite as appealing um but yeah it's a, it's a nice diverse cast and there's like some uh relationship elements you basically spin a wheel after every mission and you get a chance to um get uh, uh romance points you can do where you can basically take somebody on a date so you can get like one to three romance points and then you can also get the opportunity to either a, uh, manually pick who you're going to go on a date with or or whatever if it's not a date whatever that experience is your one-on-one -on -one meeting um, or you get the one where it just randomly chooses for you. Um, and you can save Scummit very easily. The screen appears right after you have a chance to save the game. So if you do run into an issue where, where you're trying to particularly date somebody and get them to max rank, uh, you can sit there and just reload your save file over and over again until you get the best roulette option where you can date three people at once and also choose who you're dating when you're dating them so so yeah it's a little um tedious in that regard and i think probably the dating mechanics would be easier if you knew japanese it seems very simple just kind of three options and i think that the general uh 
um, structure of each answer seems to be one that's inappropriate, like saying, can I get a kiss or, or, or things like that. Uh, and then one that's more just like a generic, like, let's talk about sword fighting skills, which seems to get like a meh answer. Like, it's, it's like it's a safe one to be like, I don't want to advance or hurt this relationship. Let's just talk about our job, essentially. And then the last one, which usually, you know, it depends. Some of them are are like, some of the more uh, flattery ones are are painful, like not painful, but like are, that will hurt your relationship. Um, it'll be like, Hey, can I get a kiss? And then you'll they'll be like, Oh no, not that. Um, but then like, there's also times where you can tell somebody like you have a nice body and they're into you telling them they have a nice body. So you just got to kind of learn, you know, what to, to reply to people. But again, very simple. The, the, the more co- complex part of it is just a, not knowing Japanese and trying to figure out what the best answer is not knowing Japanese. And then two, um, you know, making sure that, um, you're you're getting the 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 most out of your roulette so you can get better relationships. I think there is also like a relationship element to uh, how people respond to you in, in battle. I think there's you can tell them to do something and sometimes they'll sit there and be like ah dame 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 dame, which is like no good no good. But sometimes they're cool with the the uh, uh, request you give them. So I think there's like a, a chance that they'll basically ignore your command or something um based on relationship i don't know for sure i just that's my general feeling and then you know once you get to the end of the game if you've successfully romanced anyone i was only able to romance one lady uh you get like a special graphic at the end with them it's just like for her it's just like heard some casual wear like hanging out on a couch or something like that drinking a coke (laughs) um uh, I got a bad ending, I'm pretty sure. One of the characters I was in my party betrayed me, and there was a cutscene with him at the end where he's, like, mumbling to himself. And then it's like, here's the credits for the game. So I'm pretty sure I didn't <laughs> I didn't finish that game properly. I'm guessing there's, like, some level of, you know, building relationships with the right characters and getting it to a certain level. Or, or maybe there's some kind of, like, you know, Fire Emblem kind of thing where you talk to different people on the battlefield, and then that will determine, you know, if they join your side or something like that. There's a couple people I killed, and it seemed like maybe I could have done not killed them, I guess. It's hard to tell, um, because each, like, each mission has, like, an animated cutscene in between, so it's like, do I get different animated cutscenes depending on how I handle the mission, or is that the one animated cutscene they made, and so... That's just what's going to happen. I don't really know. Um, And I I think, you know, as much as I'd love to try to get the real ending for this game, uh, I think it would just require a lot of save scumming and guessing on relationship answers and hoping that would be what would actually get me to the real ending. Um, So I think for now I'm going to put it off and then maybe someday if I get a better understanding of Japanese, I can go back and actually try to 100% it. Yeah, and, and like, I, I mechanically as a game, I don't really find it super interesting. I think the cast of characters is really fun. I think it's really enjoyable. Um, I, I like the diversity of characters as well in there. Um, and there's some characters I definitely liked uh, more than others and things like that. And, and some of the battle effects were pretty cool. Some of them were very loud for some reason. It's like there's, like, some attacks that are like, and then some that are like, are really loud. I mean, I try to lo- keep my voice low for that. But, but, like, just, like, a roaring thunderbolt, like like crushes an enemy and it's just like the loudest thing in the game so so yeah so that was that um i don't know if i'll play more of it probably not at least not in the near future uh i wouldn't really recommend it either but it's a video game you can play it it was about 10 hours long if you want to beat a pcfx game (laughs) i was got a nice press like like a lot of pcfx games it's got a nice presentation so if you're interested in PCFX games with a nice presentation, which hey, if you have a, if, if there's one console that's gonna like 
fulfill your needs for 90s anime games with a nice presentation, uh, PCFX is maybe the place to go. With the exception of maybe the PlayStation 1 and Saturn, which probably has much more content. But maybe maybe more concentrated on the PCFX versus other platforms. Uh, staying on the PCFX train, so if you watched the streams uh, the last few weeks, uh, I went and played through Ojo-sama Sasamu, which is like debutante detective core. Um, and um, uh, yeah, I finished that. That was also a pretty easy game. I think this game is probably more enjoyable. I'd probably recommend this over Sparkling Feather. It's basically like an isometric uh, uh, maze game in some ways. You're this this thief guy who's, who's walking around different buildings trying to get treasure. And there's a bunch of traps on the floor. And you always have this radar on screen. And so you can see traps that are marked in red. But there's also things like infrared lasers that you can't see without using specific items to allow you to see it. But you can kind of figure out where infrared lasers would typically be placed. So you can kind of dodge them. You, know, you usually need two areas somewhat close to each other to, to have an infrared laser um, um, sitting there. So when you see like a little little area that's like three squares wide, it's easy to be like, mm, there's probably a laser there. <laughs> um, and uh, and then also there's like wires and stuff that you can trip, um, but you can also use like pliers to, to cut those wires and, and prevent it from setting off the alarm and things like that. And um, depending on the trap, sometimes it'll just hurt you. Um, other times it will hurt your willpower, which seems to, the, the speculation we had on stream was basically the willpower affected how much damage you took. So the less willpower you had, the more certain traps would hurt. Um, but the other thing you can do is also call these uh, detectives to come to your location. And and one thing I didn't mention as well is that there's actually detectives roaming around the areas as well. They're invisible. You can't see them, but you can hear them. So every time somebody's close to you, they'll go ahead and say like, who's there? And then, and then your goal is to not, <laughs> not approach them. So it's usually just you like stepping aside by a few steps and then walking around them essentially. I think they might also be moving technically. I don't know for sure. It, it was kind of hard to tell. Um, um, but yeah, so you run into an encounter with them and you can use various items to to kind of try to avoid uh, being caught by them or being hit by them. If they attack you, you'll lose some HP. Sometimes it's greater than other times, sometimes it's less. Um, but that's kind of where a lot of the fun of the, the game comes in, in terms of this presentation. You get these little character portraits for the girls. Uh, they they have various weird things they do to attack you. One of them has like a puppet she has that smacks you with the hammer. Uh, one dresses up in a frog suit and then like jump tackles you uh one of them dresses up like a nun and she plays like a roulette with you to figure out your fate kind of thing it's a lot of weird stuff like that that was pretty fun um and um i think it's i think as a game it's it's it's, it's enjoyable it requires you to be patient you can't just rush through it uh, you know i would say in in general the real challenge is just making sure you don't go fast if you go really fast you're going to get messed up in that game. Uh, but it's pretty easy to puzzle out. I used a guide online on uh, on GameFAQs that was made by uh, uh, Playongo, if you don't know. They, he has a YouTube channel with a lot of Japanese import stuff uh, on the channel. And um, and PCFX is, is, is one of those things that he has some decent um, coverage of. Maybe... I'm trying to think if any other channel has more extensive PCFX coverage other than him. And I'm not sure if anyone does. Um, uh, but... But he made an item list so you can kind of look at the items in your inventory and kind of puzzle out what you need to do with them. Like with the pistol, you can use it to press buttons and things like that. And and uh, there's like explosives you can get in your inventory and things like that to blow up in certain walls so you can progress and and all that good stuff. So so I found it at least fairly easy to get through without too much trouble. I mean, we beat it in I think three streams. So it's going to be somewhere between like seven and eight hours long. So, so pretty short um, overall. And it's got a nice presentation to it. 
Um, the, the biggest problem I think the game has is that, and, I, and I've noticed this with some other PCFX games, is, and, and I'm, not, I'm not super technically minded, so I'm not going to sit here and say I know for sure this is the issue, but it seems like, depending on how you use the sound uh, hardware in, on the PCFX or, or the sound resources available to you, it can really have a big impact on how the game plays. And what I mean by that is, um, I think all the audio in... Uh, Ojo Sama Sosomu, Ojo Sosamu is one of those things. Um, all the all the game audio, I think it's being pulled right off the disc. So when they pull that audio, they have to load it. Um, so they load the audio in to, I assume, RAM or something like that. I don't know. Don't ask me about anything. Anyways, they have to load this audio. And so every time they need to load new audio, the game freezes, and then you can hear the disc spinning, and then it starts the next section, whether that be showing somebody on screen having somebody's dialogue play, um, you know, you know, uh, restarting the song for the, for the environment, things like that. Um, and, and I remember this being a similar issue with, I think a game called Abrea no Otome on, on PC effect, where it's like an Otome game where they rely heavily off of, um, pulling, uh, audio off the disc. And so every time somebody wants, or every, so every time somebody's going to talk, um, the game freezes and then it, it continues. And I think that isn't as big of a deal in like uh, Abre no Otome because that's like uh, a visual novel and strategy RPG kind of thing. But in the case of um, uh, uh, Ojo-sama Sosomu, uh, Sosomu, I'm sorry, I'm terrible at this. Uh, in the case of that game, um, it, it's, it's more of an action game in some ways. It's not, I mean, it's not an action game, but it, it's more of a real-time game you're controlling. And so those, those freezes definitely stand out a lot more. Uh, you know, every time a girl's audio transfers as you get close to him, the game stops, it freezes, she plays the audio, goes back, starts playing the music again, and then you can move your character. And it, and it's not very long, but it just adds up. Um, uh, some of the, the, like, escape sequences from the girls... I will say feel long, but in, in, in saying that, again, I don't know Japanese, so maybe there was a faster way out of those escape sequences that I didn't know. But but sometimes you just get kind of stuck in some loops um, or or just in this very long sequence of events that happen. Um, so, you know, there's definitely some, some pacing issues, I feel like, with the game. But overall, I enjoyed it, and I think it is, you know, worth, if you're, if you're going to get a PCFX, I think it's really worth um um checking out as as one of those more accessible games um that that you know is is fairly easy to be played without a lot of understanding of text there's not a lot of story going on here you get some animated cutscenes between missions and um you do get like a giant lore dump at the end uh regarding some gods and stuff uh, I don't know what happened, to be honest with you. But generally, I, I know what part of the story I cared about and where that went um, at the end there. So pretty happy with that. Or if you don't want to play it, you can just watch my stream. It's, it's three parts. <laughs> so so that's up on the website if you want to watch that. Whew, that's a lot of talking. I'm gonna, I was going to talk about Dragon March for Death since I played a good chunk of that, but I'll, I'll hold that off for later. I'm still playing that anyway, so so maybe I can glean some more some more thoughts out of it as I explore new characters in that game and things like that. Um, anyways, let's move on to the news here real quick. Uh, so one big news item this week is, um, well, big news item for me. I know most people do not care, 
but for the, the for this podcast, it's a big news item. Uh, Jet Girls is finally getting localized. Xseed announced it um, for this summer. Uh, no particular date yet, but they said they're bringing it over. The the collection that they're bringing over, it's it's similar to Peach Beat Splash, where, well, if you don't know, uh, Jet Girls is developed by the same developer as Peach Beat Splash, which I've kind of talked about in the last couple podcasts, water gun shooting game. This is a racing game with water guns, so it's a bit different. Um, and I would say so far from what I've seen of Jet Girls, it doesn't look as promising as a game. I do like uh, Peach Beat Splash enough that I want to see what Huddy Parade game is doing next. And um, and so I'm, I am curious in checking it out. So so I'm very excited to, to finally get the chance to play it um and when that when that comes out so i'm definitely going to pick that up as soon as i can um but it does have like a a a physical uh edition that has like an art book and some soundtrack cds and and things like that with it very similar to the php splash physical edition as far as i know there's no way to buy the standard edition uh new unless you buy it used so you buy it if somebody sold the game back separately to a GameStop or something well you can buy the standard edition digitally too i guess too as well so, so yeah, I did kind of go back and look at some gameplay of this game. Uh, the, the trailer they put out for on Xseed was just like the animated trailer. Uh, I think it was the first trailer they put out for the Japanese release. And um, and it's a lot of just animated cutscene stuff. There is an anime out there for Jet Girls as well. I don't particularly have an interest in watching it, but uh, it seems just kind of very fan servicey. I mean, th- there could be some value there. I'm not going to sit there and say that there's no value to it. Um, but but it just didn't really seem like something I was, I was super, super interested in checking out. Um, so... Uh, I did look at some of the gameplay, though, and, you know, I'm not going to say it looks great, but but there is some fun variety there. Um, you know, you do have the racing part of the game, but there's also, like, a bunch of mini-games you do with, with the characters, like cleaning the decks of the boat and, like, cleaning up your your jet ski and, like, doing exercising and things like that. I'm not really sure what impact that has on the game itself, if it's, like, improving stats or anything like that, um, um, but I think that's, like, a fun way to break up uh uh some of the stuff in that game like pc splash is a really fun game but i think some of the single player content is, is lacking i think that game's very much exceeds in its its multiplayer aspect so and then and i'm guessing to coincide with that jet girls announcement they had a uh exceed uh official multiplayer event for pc splash this weekend on on friday so i went ahead and played that i streamed it actually so if you want to go on the website you can see uh see that um and uh, yeah, I had a good fun with that. I, I, I would be curious to see. So so there there is like the events that I've been playing in recently. And then there's this Exit event on Friday. And both of them use global matchmaking for, for making rooms. And I'm curious if doing local matchmaking would help with the latency at all. I'm not going to say Center Cougar or PHP Splash is a game with good latency in general. I'm guessing the game, I recall my review for the game also mentioning that there are some latency issues. But I do feel like on the global servers, it feels quite a bit worse than on the, um, the, um, the local servers, but it's been a very long time since I've played played that. But I was just happy to get be able to play PPP Splash with people in general. We got a full five versus five game. I was super excited about that. I've never played five on five PPP Splash, which is the way that game was originally designed to be played. Um, and then they added the three on three later because the community just wasn't there to support uh, the five on five nature of it. So, so I was very happy to do that this weekend and, and had a great time with it. So if you're ever curious what PHP Splash multiplayer looks like, you can go check out that video there and um, you can see me do pretty badly um, um, in that game. But I had a lot of fun and that's what matters. I'm going to try to continue to play that every Friday for now, or at least as long as it makes sense. Or at least until I get bored of it. Or until Jet Girls comes out and then I move on to the Jet Girls esports. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, also, somewhat big news for this podcast in particular is that G-Mode is putting out more mobile games. So if we don't remember, a few weeks ago, um, G-Mode had started putting out 
um some of their old i i think i don't know the actual release year of these games but i think it's probably like mid 2000s uh cell phone games so they put out four of them i played a kudu kudu cafe and i picked up uh one more i need to pick up the beach volleyball game too still i haven't had a chance to look at those two yet Uh, there's one with like a bear it's kind of like an isometric puzzle game um that i that i need to put some time into but um but they announced two they announced four other ones, but the only two that they really have pages for that show off screenshots and stuff is one that is called uh, uh, Sukeba Man, which I think is supposed to be Skateboard Man. It's they're really inconsistent in how they how they uh, uh, write it, but it basically looks like a an endless skateboarding kind of game where you collect uh, stuff for points, avoid enemies, things like that. I'm not super interested in it, although I think it's funny that uh, I don't know if it's like the standard jump animation or if it's like a trick, but the uh, <laughs> the official website has uh, one of the characters sprites for him jumping and him just like flipping you off while he's jumping in the air i think that's really silly um but i don't think i'll pick that one up um the the one i'm interested in it translates the title of it translates to the strongest in the world uh julia miyamoto so um this looks kind of like a top down i guess rpg kind of thing i'm not sure how action oriented it is or isn't um but it's basically this isometric game there's like a bunch of enemies on screen and the girl in the center has like a bunch of superpowers i assume that's why she's strongest in the world she's got a bunch of superpowers um i like the aesthetic of it quite a bit i i I don't know quite how to describe it um it reminds me a little bit of like how lane looks in some ways it doesn't look like lane but like some some of the character design kind of reminds me of that it's just kind of like this um roundish looking head with like a very like slim body you know top to bottom it has like this very um what's that show is that show called gantz where they have like the body suits or something like that it it has like this body suit on and and things like that it kind of reminds me of whatever that show was i don't know if it's gantz or not um and then uh and then uh yeah, it just it just has kind of a weird aesthetic to the the character art. The actual in-game graphics basically just looks like a you know a GBA game, little character sprites running around and stuff like that. Um, and so I think I, I think I will pick that one up. Uh, I think I'll not pick up the skateboard one. There's two more that's coming in after those two. One is just I don't know what this one is. I think it's a fighting game. It's just like two men in jeans with like their shirts off and wearing like cat heads on their head, punching each other is the only screenshot they've showed of that one. Um, I would need to see more of that to know if I'm interested or not, but the idea of a mobile phone fighting game would be kind of fascinating. I'm going to guess it's not a fighting game, but we'll see what, what shows up later. Uh, the other one just is another puzzle game. It's got a cute aesthetic, similar to Kudadin, not, not poppin' music, I don't think, uh, the, not the poppin' music artist, I don't think, but, but just got a cute aesthetic in general. So I'm happy to see those coming along. I don't know if those were already planned, but it seems like it'd be kind of, this seems too soon to be like, oh, those other ones sold well, therefore we will now make these. I'm guessing these were already on the books of, of something they were going to do. So so hopefully they continue to put them out. I, I think it's pretty exciting, even though they're you know probably pretty generic overall. I'm just really glad to see that they're putting those out. As I've said over and over again with those, I just think it's cool somebody's digging into that archive of games that generally I think nobody would care about. And, uh, and release it out you know, for people to look at again. I wonder what mobile phone nostalgia looks like in Japan for those kind of things. You know, I, I don't really think we're at the point in America where we're seeing a lot of mobile phone regret. I think you've seen the preservation, like preservationist uh, uh, groups that people are like, oh yeah, this game's just gone now. And that's weird. Um, or not really weird, but bad. <laughs> uh, you're seeing that in the preservationist groups, but I don't know if you're really seeing that in um, 
in uh, any kind of like more mainstream community of people looking back on early iOS games and things like that and being like, oh man, the nostalgia. I say that, but recently I've been uh, following some guy on YouTube who's been uploading um, a bunch of like hour long music or uh, videos with music in it. And it's just like, we nostalgia music. Come listen to the Wii games that give you nostalgia. And I'm just like, <laughs> like, A, I'm old. Hey, I turned 30 this week, if you didn't know. So I'm a 30 year old man now. Uh, a, I'm old. I was 16 when the Wii came out. But B, I still use my Wii. So, so it's one of those weird things where it's like, I don't really, the Wii is still here for me in a lot of ways. Every console is still here for me in a lot of ways. As I said on Keith's on the podcast I did with Keith a couple weeks ago, like I, I just kind of keep playing those games and I don't really feel the need to chase after any kind of feeling of returning to those consoles because I still play them. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think the only thing I haven't played in 10 years is probably an NES game. Is that right? I guess you could count like Curse of the Moon somewhat of an NES game, NES aesthetic game. Um, but, but yeah, so I need to finish my NES at some point. So, so yeah, speaking of which, um, yeah, so I guess this is going to be the end of the podcast. Um, um, so what's coming up next? Uh, speaking of, you know, rolling off the NES fixing thing. Uh, so next week I, we're going to do on stream is we're going to try to fix my Wii's DVD drive. I think it might just be a laser issue more than anything, but I replaced, I bought a whole DVD drive to replace it. So, so we're going to try that out, see if we can fix my Wii, see if that works out. And, um, and yeah, we'll see if it's a, if it's something we're successful at doing. I might break my Wii. Who can say? We'll find out. I'm not very good at this stuff, but otherwise it's been sitting in my closet for like... <laughs> six to eight years now so why not try to fix it i guess uh you know use it to play some virtual console games at 240p because you can't do that with the wii u so look forward to that coming up and then and then after that i think we'll play disaster day of crisis um um through on stream after that in terms of the main content coming up um i'm having a very hard time seeing in early june having something ready i i just you know, it's part of me, you know, I, I shouldn't feel bad about it, but I didn't get the work I needed to get done to, to get something ready for early June. Um, so, so I don't think you're going to get a review in early June and we're not going to get a, a podcast in early June because I'm still trying to work that out. Um, I'm still, I'm having some weird, weird, uh, hangups about the PCFX podcast and how I would approach that. I think because I'm very bad at like mediating a conversation at least that's I feel I feel that way. So so I'm kind of trying to think of backups of how I can kind of like more gracefully move the conversation around. But but yeah. So so I've I've had some hangups. You know, it's funny because I was like the Valkyrie Revolution video is something that we're gonna put together because it'll be easy to put together. I already have the script that I'm happy and done with, and then I started working on it, and then it it ruined everything. <laughs> so and then now let's put on hold until next time. Um, so, so in early June, what I'm going to try to do, and you know, this isn't going to replace, you know, this isn't going to be the same scale of content as a, as a normal video, but I think I'm going to put out a, a short video about PlayStation 2 backwards compatibility. It's not going to have a lot of information in it. I'm going to tell you that it's basically just going to just kind of go over my, my, uh, I don't know what, it, I don't know if concerns is the right, right word to use, but like just kind of the, the state of back. Not, not really the state, just just kind of the reality of PlayStation 2 backwards compatibility with PS1 and talk a little bit about that. And I, I don't think it's going to be anything really new for a lot of people. Um, it's just going to be kind of talking about, you know, what my understanding of it is. And uh, I'm going to be showing a couple of examples of some games I played recently that had some uh, PS2 compatibility issues and just kind of detailing that. 
I think that's what that's going to be. So I'm going to try to put that out early, early June. I went ahead and threw together a script for today and it seemed pretty easy to put together. I think I can get something, you know, made by early June for that and then, uh, and then have that ready. So, so at least you'll get something that's not just the podcast and not just a quick play. Um, whether you'll like it or not, we'll see. <laughs> um, hopefully you enjoy it. Um, so, so yeah. Um, and I don't think it'll be that long to edit or anything like that. So if, if there are any challenges with it, I'll let you know if I have to discontinue it for any reason, I'll let you know. Uh, I, after I wrote it today, I think it's, it's reasonable enough to make and, and it's something I can put out that's more, more, you know, I guess edited content versus a podcast or me just rambling into a microphone about something. So, so yeah, appreciate your patience. Seems like about this time of year I get burned out and I have to <laughs> have to stop uh, crushing myself um, in, in projects. <laughs> so so we'll get there, though. Um, I might also try to at some point do something with uh, the PC-98 stuff I did in terms of getting that thing connected to a Framemeister. That might not amount to a video. I might just make that as like a resource for somebody if they try to hook the the um pc 98 up to a window up to a framemeister at least they'll have you know what i did um because when i was doing that i was kind of working blind um and was buying stuff that was i was like i hope this works and i talked to somebody and they're like that seems like it should work um and it worked thankfully so so maybe give some more detailed um uh specifications on that 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 might just be a very likely that will just be a post on the website if that happens, but um, we'll see when that happens. I am uh, again, my, my my biggest concern right now is the upcoming video and the upcoming podcast. Those two are falling way behind for my personal tastes, unfortunately. But I've just been kind of bleh the last two weeks. <laughs> so at least I played some games this week, though. Can't say that about the last week. I kind of want to play Fantasy Star Online too. If you don't know that, apparently comes out on the twenty seventh on the PC. I don't want to do that, but I'm tempted, but I don't want to do that. Anyways, thanks for coming. Um, so yeah, we'll do that Wii DVD drive thing uh, uh, on Thursday this week at 7 p.m. Pacific time. If you want to come watch me try not to break my Wii. Um, and then, you know, as usual, this podcast goes up every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Um, and yeah, I'll try to get some more uh, clips out this week, too. I'll, I'll see what we can do about that. Um I, I kind of laid off of them for last week. They, they're they're very e- quick and easy to do, which I'm very thankful for that. Um, but they do still take time, so <laughs> they take about an hour each. So so it's not a, a a free feature per se, but it is a nice way you can reuse podcast uh, uh, recordings to create something for the YouTube channel that's more standalone rather than you know a, just a giant podcast somebody has to listen through if they want to hear my thoughts on one particular topic. So so yeah. Anyways, thanks for coming. OneControlPro.com is the website. I hope you have a great week. Bye.